The reading today is from James 2, verses 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, but what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled, it says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different directions. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. How are we going? There we go. Good morning, everyone. If I've not met you before, my name is Matt. I have the privilege of uh, working as assistant here to uh, our Minister Paul, who uh, is away on holidays this morning. And uh, it's a great opportunity, great privilege to be having up God's Word with you this morning. If you have a Bible open there in front of you or sitting there in front of you, please feel free to open it up to James chapter 2. We're looking at the second half of that passage. I'm feeling the full effects of a broken world today. Um, holidays is a lovely time. Yep. Um, our girls, my daughters, Evie and Gabriella, both got sick and so I've kind of got a scratchy throat from them and uh, at soccer yesterday a guy kindly uh, performed a late tackle on my knee <laughs> and so uh, I've got a chair here, if my knee starts aching I might sit down and then I might get you guys to stand up. <laughs> no, just kidding. Alright, how about we... Um... <laughs> How about we uh, spend some time praying to God before we look at that passage in James. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks that we're able to meet here this morning uh, to sit under your word, the Bible, and to hear what you have to say to us. Father, thanks for uh, the way that you work in us by your spirit, uh, changing us to be more like your son, Jesus. We ask, Father, that uh, that would be no different this morning, that your spirit would be working us showing us how we need to live in response to what your son Jesus has done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have complete faith in you. I have complete faith in you. That might be uh, a phrase that we might use for someone that we think is totally reliable and totally trustworthy. I have complete faith in you. Uh, We might uh, have complete faith in people that would build stuff. I have complete faith in you that you'll be able to fix a roof on the building uh, that's been damaged. I have complete faith in you that uh, you'll be able to fix that well. Thankfully, um, 
we can have complete faith in these guys who are very handy, much more handy than I am. And that's something that we might say to people who are trustworthy and reliable that we need uh, having something fixed in our house. I don't know if you realise right now that you're actually having faith in something right now. Do you know what it is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe in me. <laughs> Uh, anyone else know what you're having faith in right now? Sitting down in the chair. You're putting your complete faith in the chair. You've obviously looked at the church chairs and thought they're stable, they're steady. I'll have complete faith in them and I'll sit down. Now, maybe you wouldn't on a chair like that, would you? If you looked at a chair like that, and you'd think, I'm not going to have complete faith in that at all. Uh, perhaps you'll have complete faith in uh, the medical system. You know, going along to a doctor... You say you've got a scratchy throat, you've got a, a busted knee. I have complete faith in you that you'll be able to diagnose the problem I have. I, I asked the sports scientist that we have amongst us this morning, Bob, and he said, just give the knee a few days and it should work out. I have complete faith in Bob. <laughs> I might not have complete faith in Bob if you look like that, or the doctor if you look like that, that crazy kind of medical uh, doctor. Well, this morning... Uh, we're going to be thinking about, from God's Word, about what we can have complete faith in. And we're going to be thinking about how that looks. What does that look like to have complete faith in someone that is totally reliable, someone that is totally trustworthy, someone that is faithful and loving towards us? What will it look like for us to have complete faith in Jesus? And we're going to see that our faith needs to have actions, doesn't it? We heard that from the reading before. Our faith needs to have actions for it to be real faith, for it to be true faith. You see, having a belief in something, it demands a response. It demands you to live it out. And so James writes, if you don't have actions that back up your faith, then really, uh, the faith, well, it's dead. It's not a belief at all. It's fictional. You see, it's hardly a new thought, isn't it? Words aren't actions. But we've got that old proverb that actions speak louder than words. We might say that someone is all talk and no action. And we've got exactly the same idea here as well in the book of James as he writes to a group of Christians some 2,000 years ago. In this passage, um, if you were to think that words are just enough, they're just saying, oh yes, I'll have complete faith in you, I believe in you. Well, if you can claim to have faith but it doesn't show itself in actions, then really... As James writes, you've got it all wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. Because uh, James in this letter says, you need to have faith that has actions. Faith in our great King, in our Saviour and Lord Jesus, demands a response. Now, before we just have a look at this part of what James is saying, uh, we just need to have a look uh, have a think about the background that's behind it all. There's been a lot of uh, probably negative press about the letter of James in, in uh, ancient times. There's a guy named Luther. He called the, the letter of James the epistle of straw, saying it's basically just you might as well tear it out and put it on the fire uh, heap to start your fire with. But really what James is doing here is that he's addressing a group of Christians. Okay, uh, The Apostle Paul has gone out to... Uh, other nations, he's gone to Turkey and Greece and Rome, but James has stayed put in Jerusalem, this place that's full of Jews. Pretty much 100% Jews in this nation. 
And those, some of those Jews have become Christians, and that's who James writes to here. And they, they believe, after hearing about Jesus and the good news of Jesus, that yes, Jesus is the Messiah, yes, he's the one that saved us, but he's starting to scratch the surface for them, and really, deep down, well, having faith in Jesus hasn't really changed them. They're still deeply Jewish. They're still holding to the Old Testament law that says, you know, you've got to live this way. But James is saying, well, your faith, it displays itself in actions. You can't just say, oh yes, I believe in Jesus, but then on the other side, kind of not worry about living it out. Because they're, as the Jews, they're saying, oh well, we're from the line of Abraham, we're saved. Yeah, we've got the law, but we trust in Jesus, we're done. We don't need to worry about anything else. And so that's the background behind it of what James writes here. And he says there that the object of your faith, the object of your faith needs to live itself out in actions. It's the practical outworking of having faith in Jesus as your saviour. And so there's a bit of heat in this letter because these people that James James writes to haven't actually responded to what Jesus has done for them on the cross. Now they, sure, they still call themselves Christians, but when it comes to living for him, they don't worry about that. And so James, in verse 14, writes there that if you call Jesus the Lord of your life, if you call yourself a Christian, then live it out. And it might be the same for us here this morning. There might be some of us that call ourselves Christians but think that, well, faith in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, sure. That's enough though, isn't it? There doesn't need to be any response. We might rock up the church each week and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But the thought of perhaps serving or doing something, at the thought of serving others or helping others, we might just run in the other direction. Maybe some of us here this morning has a faith that just hasn't made any difference at all to life. Maybe there's, there's no response to us. And so, verse 14, this is what James says. What good is it? My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, well, can such faith save them? Suppose there's a brother or sister without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, well, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. You see, James gives us this picture, a real-life picture of what a useless faith would look like. Okay, Here's this demonstration of what faith in Jesus without action would look like. Just picture this for a minute. Okay, You walk in here to the church building and you see someone that you know and that you love and they're kind of dressed a little bit shabbily, more shabbily than what they have been dressed before. And they, they just seem to be down in the dumps and they're just not their normal selves and... You ask them, well, what's going on? You stop to say good day to them. What's, what's wrong? You, you look down the dumps and perhaps wearing the same clothes that they've worn for the last month. It's starting to get a bit of a smell around them. And they say to you, well, they couldn't afford to buy food. They haven't been able to afford to buy clothes for the last month. And after you listen to them, you just think, yeah, that's sad. But then you say, oh, well, it's... Cheer up, try not to worry. Pat on the back, make sure that you keep warm and eat lots as well. You wouldn't say that to someone, would you? It's a crazy kind of idea that if someone's in need, you wouldn't pat on the back, okay, 
see you next week. All the best. You know, try not to wear the same clothes you did today. You wouldn't really say that, would you? What good is it saying, like that, saying something like that to someone, to the person in, in need? It's no good at all. And so the point James makes from these verses is that it's actually useless. It's dead to have faith without actions, as we'll read later on. And that faith is the big thing, is what James says. It, it doesn't actually save, because it's no faith at all. Faith in Jesus demands a response. Having faith that he saved you through his death on the cross, having faith that we have new life with God forever because of his resurrection, it demands a response. It means living in a Christ-like way in our actions. You see, really, any type of belief that doesn't have a response is useless. Faith without actions is dead. It's like saying that you're a cowboy, but then dressing up as an Indian. Or it'd be like singing, you know, you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, but not clapping your hands in the end. Now, it'd be like saying to someone, yes, I have full and complete faith in you, but then not trusting them and not showing that you'll have complete faith in them and what they can do. See, James writes in verse 19 that even the demons, right, even demons believe in God, but yet they shudder. So here's the thing. Demons actually have some form of faith. But yet they shudder in fear because they know that their belief well, it doesn't have a response to it. And so they believe that even though Jesus is a saviour, they believe that without living with him as the king of their life, without living with him as Lord, well then they shudder. You see, true faith trusts Jesus as saviour and it lives with him as Lord. Just like you can't separate faith and actions, you can't say that Jesus is your saviour without having him as your Lord. Faith and actions all go together. And James gives us proof that having uh, true faith, having uh, actions that back up faith, well, it's been seen in history. Now, I wasn't very good in history at anything at school. Uh, when I went to college, there's just too many dates and names of people to remember. But here we, we get a picture of this true faith history lesson on two people in the Old Testament. And the history lesson begins from the middle of verse 20. There's two people that James points out. Here he says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered him his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith, faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous um, by what they do and not by faith alone. And that sounds like a bit of a funny thing to say, isn't it? We know that uh, through history, there have been people that said, you know, he's saved by faith alone. Well, it's not that James is, is disagreeing with this, remember. The whole point of him saying that what faith is, is saying that it has actions. And so without the faith, Without the actions for the faith, well then, that's uh, not considered to be faith. And so he's saying there, well, you're not saved by faith alone. Just you know, saying that you believe in Jesus. The way that you are saved is by having faith with actions because that's what true faith is about. And so the first person that he gives this uh, history lesson of is Abraham. And Abraham had faith in God even in this hopeless situation. At the age of 99... Right? Imagine this, at the age of 99, God promises Abraham 
that he'd have descendants that would be as numerous as the stars. Now, I used to work in a nursing home, and if you were to suggest to a 99-year-old person that they were going to have lots and lots and lots and lots of kids, you'd probably walk away with a broken nose, I think. Because Abraham, even though he was this age, believed, even at the age of 99, yes, God would keep his promises, and yes, he would have descendants as numerous as the stars at 99 years of age. And so after this 25-year wait, Abraham is given the promised child Isaac, and Isaac's born. Sometime after the birth of Isaac, God gave Abraham this biggest test of all. He said to Abraham, you've got to take Isaac up and put him on an altar, and you've got to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Now that's crazy. The guy's 99 years old. Here's his, his only son, and he's got to take him up and put him on the altar to sacrifice him. Now, go back and have a look at it uh, later on, Genesis 15, and uh, you might like to do that during the week. And God's test here are, is of Abraham's faithfulness. And so here's the situation. God promises Abraham he'd have heaps and heaps of descendants, and they all depend, really, on this one boy, Isaac, who's now going up onto the altar to be a burnt offering. But Abraham believed that God would provide a lamb to be the offering. And so with Isaac lying on the wood and the knife sharpened, God speaks, Abraham stops, and because Abraham's faith showed in his actions, we read in verse 23 there that his belief was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. See, Abraham was able to be in a right relationship with God because of his true faith. And that's why James writes here in verse 24 uh, that a person is justified. They're considered righteous by what they do and not just by faith alone. You see, just as James is an example of Abraham's faith having actions, it's the same with us. in saying your faith needs to have actions because then it's true faith. It's faith that lasts. You see, if you believe that Jesus is your saviour, we've got to respond by having him as Lord, don't we? If you believe that, yes, you're in a right relationship with God, well, then that's got to show itself. Not in empty words, not just saying, yes, I believe in Jesus, but actually showing itself in action. And so do you have that kind of faith? Do you believe that Jesus is Saviour? If so, do you believe him to be the king of your life? That he would shape every part of your life? Verse 25, we get the, the second part of the history lesson, and it's about a lady named Rahab who was a prostitute. Uh, this is some time ago. And you can read Rahab's story in uh, Joshua chapter 2. So Abraham is in Genesis 15, Rahab's in Joshua chapter 2. Have a read of that during the week as well. Now, this is an interesting kind of scenario, really. Rahab is a prostitute who heard God's word, and after hearing it, well, she believed. She lived out her faith by giving safety to some spies. And you might be thinking, well, that's a bit strange. Why would you help out spies? You know, isn't that espionage or something like that? Uh, this is what James says. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You see, maybe you think, oh, this is espionage, and you've been put up for treason for that. But the thing is, the spies here, they're other believers who are trying to serve God, and they're at risk of being captured. And so the message of God, the good news that, uh, of who God is and what he's done, is going to be stopped 
uh, stopped to go out. And so Rahab, she lived out her belief in God by helping those in need. And this put her house, uh, her possessions, her own personal safety all at risk because she's helping out people who need help, who are Christians and need to get the message about who God is and what he's done out there. And so because Rahab responded to God in that way, well, she too was considered to be right with God. Because her faith showed in actions, she was considered to be right with God. Now, from this faith history lesson, we just get this invaluable point, really. It says, just as the body without the spirit is dead, well, faith without deeds is dead. Just like if we didn't have some spirit within us, we'd be useless. We'd be dead. We'd be done. And he's exactly the same with what James is saying about faith. You can't really look at God's word and not respond to it. You can't. It's like looking in a mirror and then forgetting what you look like. You see, the Bible paints a pretty grim picture of what lies ahead for those that decide to live their own way, that decide to have a faith without actions. If you haven't accepted Jesus as Saviour and you don't live with him as Lord, then please make sure you have a chat with someone because that's the best decision that you'll ever make. Because of Christ's death, we're now able to have a right relationship with God. We're able to be God's friend. And that's fantastic news. But on the other side of the coin, if you do have faith in Jesus, if you say that he's your saviour, well, do you live with him as your Lord? See, they go hand in hand. Is your faith, faith that lasts? Is your faith real? Do you respond to what Jesus has done for you on the cross with all of your life? Do you trust that Jesus is a saviour, that then maybe at work or at home amongst your family just lose self-control very easily and then begin to blame others and blame God for putting you in that situation? Do you trust Jesus as your saviour? Then instead of encouraging others uh, to live for him here at church or in your growth groups, maybe just, oh, I'm just going to stay home today, watch a movie. There's no need for me to go and encourage others. They, they believe in Jesus as well. Do you trust Jesus as saviour, but then as soon as someone turns their back, you just join in on the gossip session? Do you trust Jesus as saviour, but then think about, well, how can I gain so much stuff for me? How can I get all this material stuff that I need, that I want? You see, do you work out how you can just you know, put money towards everything else except for the work of the gospel? Is there real faith? Is there faith that lasts in your life? Maybe you're like me, you know. Maybe when I, you're like me, when I walk out the door of home, I think, Oh, it's going to be too hard to live like a Christian amongst this group of people. I just kind of go along with the flow, yes, so I can get some kind of approval from them. I I tend to leave Christ out of my life and out of the picture. It'd be be difficult to see sometimes that living living with Jesus as Saviour in my life actually shows as Lord. I was ready to get up and flatten the guy yesterday that took my knee out in the soccer field. But see, here's the challenge from this part of Scripture for all of us. It's to respond as Jesus, as Saviour, and not just say that we believe it, but live it out in our actions. Live it out with him as king of our life. And it's going to be a, a good term ahead. We're looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount in the term, uh, next term, in our series next term. And it's going to be a great series of 
the outworking of what faith looks like. You know, the faith life, a life that believes in Jesus as Saviour and trusts Him as Lord. And it's going to be a life that shows, well, this is what repentance looks like. This is what turning away from sin, of turning away from ignoring God in life looks like and living with Jesus as King. So that's what we're looking at in the term ahead in the next series in the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at, uh, looking at what will it look like to have radical living? What will it look like as we live amongst those in our community, as we share life with them, as we live out our faith in Jesus? And maybe you think this morning, well, you know, yeah, that's good. Yeah, okay, faith and actions go together, but it's just, how, I, I can't do that on my own. It's too difficult. How am I supposed to walk out the door each day and think, okay, I'm going to live with Jesus as Saviour and Lord by, by displaying in my actions? Well, the great news is that we're not just left alone, are we? You know, God hasn't said, okay, you've saved, you've been saved by Jesus' death, you have new life through his resurrection, over to you, all over to you. No, no, it's not like that at all. We're not left alone. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, showing us how to live for Jesus. We have each other in our growth groups, here in our church family, where we can encourage each other to keep living for Jesus, to show that our faith has actions. And we have Jesus, our Saviour, our Lord, who gave up so much, who sacrificed so much, who came to this earth and died a death that we deserved to die, lived the life that we should have lived. But yet he stepped onto that cross all for our sake. So we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have each other and we have Jesus. Is your faith real faith? Does your faith have actions? Will your faith be one that lasts? Let's pray and ask God that he would help us live out our faith in Jesus, that we would respond to him as our saviour, as the one who saved us from the consequences of what our sin deserved, that we would live out that, live with him as king of our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you haven't left us alone. Uh, by saving us to be in relationship with you. Father, thank you that you've given us your spirit living in us. Thank you that he shows us how to live for you and points us towards your son Jesus. Father, thank you that we have each other to encourage each other how to live for Jesus and how uh, to have a faith that lives itself out and have a true faith. Father, thank you that we have your son Jesus to look to as well who would give up so much uh, so that we could be in a right relationship with you, who came back from the dead so that we could have new life with you. Father, we ask that our faith would be one that has actions, that it wouldn't be a faith that's dead and useless. We ask that our faith uh, would live itself out to be a real faith, a true faith, a faith that lasts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.